This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Our Tuesdays start with Nathan Buckley. Hello to you, Bucks. Morning, Jared. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Do you feel the lapping optimism with the dogs? Um, I was encouraged by the, and I know that Bevo will be absolutely committed to that four tall setup, and he will give that every chance to come to fruition. And that might look um, ineffective at times, but it'll look damaging at other times. I think the philosophy there is how do we prevent the opposition from intercept marking and how do we turn the tables from you know defenders that are so attacking that are prepared just to go to the ball and win the ball and then rebound off. Um, and rather than even allowing that to happen, that they have to think about, oh, I've got this six-foot-four guy that I've got to defend first. So it's, um, it, they're not going to have a lot of frontline pressure um, if the ball hits the ground, but I, I just I admire his commitment to innovation, and in many ways his stubbornness to stick with that. Um, it's going to it's they they are a fascinating um, exercise or a, or a um, a team to watch this year. I, I think that I've got them from you know any, winning as little as eleven to probably around sixteen, and and they could be better than that even. But I think they. At their best, they'll contend for top four. At their worst, they they might be bumping sort of along the, the eighth and ninth positions again. Does it suit Beveridge's demeanour and coaching to do it his own way, to do it like nobody else is trying to do? Yeah, I've, I've got an abrasive, courageous, innovative, stubborn, combative. Like, <laughs> and all of those, I actually, all of those have positive and negative effects and connotations. And I, I'm really loath to. I mean. We, I think we put the senior coach, the, the, the focus on the senior coach is right up there because it's a coaching panel that pulls it together and it's the leadership in the playing group that is crucial as well. And the dogs have some really you know, experienced, solid leaders in that group um, in amongst their, their youth. But Luke Beveridge seems to be a guy who welcomes that pinnacle position and thrives on that pinnacle position and has had success on it. So it's hard to move himself off that. Uh, but then again, who, who knows what it's like in the four walls? We get, you know, people that leave from time to time and say, well, he was over me. Um, he'd moved on from me and, and I didn't feel like I was, we were connected. Well, that's, that's, I can understand that because I believe that as a senior coach like Luke Beveridge, if you, if he doesn't believe in your plans, he won't, he won't leave you under any illusions. He'll just, focus put his focus elsewhere um but i'd yeah i i'd I'd be really interested to see how they go i mean they're going to go about it a totally different way it's going to challenge the status quo of the way the game is played um and i'm sure that there are reasons you know underlying reasons of why they're going to play this way um and it'll be fascinating to watch. So we were debating, we're going to talk the, the 18 coaches and sort of the mission at hand for them. We, we were just debating out the back. So Beveridge hasn't taken a team to the top four. He's had mm. two stellar finals campaigns, one all the way to a premiership and the second 
where they made the grand final and led into the third quarter. While Chris Fagan has taken teams consistently to the top four, but ultimately hasn't been good enough yet in finals. Last year, they, against the odds, won their two finals. And sort of measuring the the worth of one against the other. Well, it, it is fascinating, the difference in philosophies. You know, I'm sure that people would sit back and go to you know, watch Chris Fagan. And the media have commentated on his stoicism and his belief in his plan and the belief in his players to play the same way. And it's a really simple brand. It's, it's based on, you know, solid, you know, build the ball up from the back, you know, use our, our, let our forwards go to work, let our talent do the job in, in front of the ball. Um, you know, we've got, we've got great players through the midfield. We'll, 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 we're happy to go man on man and, and, and make that a contest. But there's, there hasn't been a lot of, you know, shifts or hijinks or, you know, what challenging the opposition with a with a plan that they, they don't expect. It's just meeting them on the, on our merits, and people would you know a lot of people said towards the end of last year, when's when's Fakes going to change this up? When are we going to see something different? Because clearly it's not going to get them where they want to get to. They won two finals last year, which they only won one finals in their last three top four finishes. So that um, it, it, and and then you got the on the other side, you got Bevo, who seems to flick things around flat out. So. I'm sure the only thing, the only judgment that we can come to is where their sides finish at the end of the year or how many flags they've been able to collect at the end of their careers. And at the moment, it's beverage one and Fagan zero. Our collective of 18 coaches. So there are, there are four in their first year in jobs, but three are so well known to us. So there's only one rookie coach. And then the half a dozen longest serving coaches, Damien Hardwick's going into his 14th season, John Longmire into his 13th and just extended his contract. Chris Scott into his 13th, Ken Hinckley into his 11th. This is the final year of his. Adam Simpson into his 10th and Luke Beveridge into his 9th. So all bar Hinckley are premiership coaches in that collective. And there's at least a few who have got a lot, Mm. will appear to have a lot left in them from here. So we thought, do you want to divide them up into into categories? Yeah, I've had a crack at this. Um, And and really it's, it's, fairly closely aligned with expectations around ladder this year. And then, then after that, you come back and reflect on, okay, what does that mean for the individual senior coach? We often look at the, the pressure gauge or the, you know, the, for, for coaches and, and who's under the pump for their jobs and who's, you know, got some, got some wriggle room in regards to where they're started. And obviously the four new coaches have got some wriggle room three of them being experienced coaches, but I think Adam Kingsley is the one with the cleanest slate. I think he's the one that's a little bit off Broadway, GWS. I think they've got, they've got talent there, both established and youth that are coming through. Um, I think they've had to grind their way. They've got some, some workmanlike players in there that'll do it. Right. But I think fresh ideas, a fresh plan, go forward a little bit faster. Um, yeah. Try and, try and free up the talent a little bit more. I'm not saying that Leon didn't, but I just think it's a fresher voice. It's a fresh opportunity. So I expect that that's a very different challenge to what Ross Lyon, Brad Scott and Alistair Clarkson are facing. So I think that, you know, Ross and Brad uh, are auditing and auditioning. You know, they're, they're auditing what they've got on their list and they're auditioning young players and old for different roles to try and screw down parts of what they would believe is a plan that they can build around something that they can um, look to the next, the second and the third year to build towards 
challenging for a top four position because I, I don't think realistic expectations has them anywhere near top four. And if you're not near top four, well, then you still are building and developing towards that. All right. So the first, have you gone with making hay as your, your category yeah. for contenders? Yeah, well, making hay is a top four. And, and I'm, I mean, ironically, I mean, Chris Scott, he's got – Chris Scott, Simon Goodwin, Chris Fagan, and, and John Longmore. I think that they're clear top four. Those four are, cl- are the clear top four sides in this season, and clearly that's got to come to fruition. Um, three of them have got really solid home ground advantage. I would have thought, um, and 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 I think that, and I use Geelong and their and their games down there as a home ground advantage. Uh, Simon Goodwin's probably, you know, they're, they're happy and healthy now and they're going to come back around. Chris Scott's got two in the bank. He's got, you know, he's making hay. He's got to go and get it done again. Um, I think Chris Fagan and the way they've recruited, um, it suits him. This is probably his best squad, ironically, but he's developed the, the way to go about it. They've been, you know, top four or thereabouts for the last four years after two five-win seasons. He's done all the grafting work and now he's just adding pieces to make it a little bit better. And then John Lamar, who's gone through an, probably one of the most effective and established rebuilds that we've seen on the run, and their 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 suite of young players are you know, ready to go again. The question is, how do they handle last year's disappointment? Right. So let, let's pick one at a time. So Chris yep. Scott, thirteenth season, he won a flag in his first and his twelfth, and he has a contract which runs to the end of twenty twenty four. What's the What's the mission for Chris Scott? Well, he's an innovative footy mind, I think. He, he thinks about football in a more considered and different way than almost you know, any other sort of coach I've seen in, in my time. Um, I really admire the way that he views it. I think he's, he's, his personal growth and ha- has been something that I've watched from afar. I've really admired the way that he's carried himself and the way he's gone about it through times of success and times when he's when it looks like his team's going to contend and then times when he's been challenged personally. I think he's maintained an evenness of temperament and demeanour that has that I, that I can only imagine would resonate effectively with his players. There's no wasted emotion. There's no, there's no fighting fights he doesn't need to fight. Um, they go about their but – but at the same time, you see the passion come out of him. Well, actually, we haven't seen that in the coach's box as much as we did in his early days, did we, when he was going off when there was a big moment. But that's that was very Lee Matthews. You like those very <laughs> those, those two very closely aligned, and you know with with the flags and the where they're going, it's it's um, their the similarities are striking. Um, I just think that he's got a quality squad with talent, experience. I think the relationships that I would from the outside, and I think the relationships he has with the leadership is so empowering for them. Um, and yet, and yet he maintains his. I think he maintains his authority through all of that, which is a. Pretty tough act to, to balance up. Simon Goodwin, seventh season, made finals in year two, won his flag in year five, has a contract that runs through to the end of 2024. Yeah, I think he's he's a he's a connection coach, and I think that's really come in the last two or three years. He's connected really well with his um, with his players. Um, yeah, they're a healthy squad, and I think that you know I, I think they're ready to go. I, I it seems like they've they've going to hit the ground running doesn't it? It really does. So it looks like they're well served by picking up the chase. Now, as defending champions, they went 10 and 0. So I don't want to underestimate that. But just glancing in, they seem mm. well suited by the 
the quest for vengeance, if you like, the, yeah. the campaign that didn't pan out the way they wanted it to. Well, you got to believe in twenty one that they were chasing. You know, they were chasing. Um, they were chasing Richmond and potentially Geelong. So they um, they had a, a target to reach, and and what they ended up doing in that last you know six weeks of t- two thousand twenty one was find a level that yeah you know, even they may not have been able to fathom, but it was based on just this we've we've got something to achieve here we've got something to go I think it, what we talk about after you get the other side of a premiership is you know potentially that's as as tough and as difficult a challenge psychologically as any and they weren't they just weren't quite healthy the whole way along they weren't quite healthy they they didn't have the same back six they were they were three shy of their premiership back six in round 1 and and they lost Salem in the first 5 minutes of that game and then through the next eight or nine weeks, even though they were, they were winning, they, they were doing it with a cobbled together back line, which I think is their DNA. So you've got May, who, who I think is one of the most influential players, and he just controls the game from the back. Petty, who's an underrated key defender. Lever, who is then therefore allowed to be the third tall and come across an intercept and really you know, lets his man go plenty of times just to go and attack the, the contest which is why the Bulldogs setup will be fascinating. Um, and I think that with that solid back six, their midfield have confidence to go to work and their forwards get, they, they just work bloody hard all the way up and all the way back. And I just, you just sense that, that they are hungry and that they are ready to go and that they, they're fitter. Like Gorn looks, Gorn looks up and about. Oliver, who very rarely looks hobbled, but he did look a bit sore towards the end of last year, Petrarca. Um, it is only heading into round one, but for all intents and purposes, it looks like they're ready to go. John Longmire, 13th season, made finals in 10 of his 12 so far. The Premiership in year two, three losing grand finals since. He's just signed the two-year extension through to the end of 2025. And the recent history of teams who have been belted in grand finals has been tricky the following year. Well, I think, I mean, Sydney are an amazing club. I mean, I, I think, and the connection with John Longmire, so you think that Paul Roos and John Longmire have been the two coaches for a long time. Like these are, this is a stable organisation on and off the field. Their DNA is built on hard work and competitiveness and buying into the Bloods culture and whatever iteration of that. And then and that'll be 90% the same as what it was 20 years, but then there will be, there will be slight differences and changes as it's gone along, as the generations have shifted a little bit and perspectives have, have shifted. But he, he just strikes me as just a really solid individual. He's a hard man. He, he would, he would have really solid expectations on the, the what they would deem as the non-negotiables, two way running, win your own ball, um, contribute to team absolutely. Let go of your ego. Like I, I think that's the Sydney ethos, and these young guys have have been developed in that in that mould, and they've been you know guided by a guy at the top who has empowered his his um, assistants to to drive this philosophy through the the group. And it's I think they'll be I mean I, they'll be okay because they've just got so much grit. And so much drive. Like, I was really surprised by their grand final performance, but Geelong were just spectacular. Chris Fagan, seventh season. So the four recents home and away, second, second, fourth, sixth. We know the finals record, which was righted with two finals wins when they were right up against it 
at the end of last year. His contract has been extended to the end of 2025. I don't know why, but the, the little tidbits that come out of Brisbane seem to hit my eyeballs more than anywhere else. I think they, they seem to be quite an open sort of – Chris Fagan must be quite an open coach. Their media department gets some access that you know, I don't often see from Sydney, for instance. Um and I don't think I see it from Geelong either if, if, to be the a couple that we've just looked at. But I, but Chris Fagan just seems to be – he's just a, a, um, a guardian angel for these players. He's just someone who I reckon that they lean on and rely upon and look to for guidance and look to for support and direction. And I no doubt that he hits them between – he'll hit individuals between the eyes if they don't come along. Um, but I just it, – it sense the sense I get is it's he – he believes in his people. He gets the best out of his people. And, and I don't know what better you can be as a as a man manager than, than doing that. The, the query is about the, the game plan and, and how innovative is it and is it good enough to get there? I, I, I've always thought, personally, I've always thought that it, the stability is 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 more desirable than finding a, like a 1% edge potentially on a, on a, yep. on a, uh, a game plan shift as such, and he, I think he believes in that slow growth. So, I've, but I think they've recruited really well, and and I'm fascinated to see how they go. So the first four into the making hay category: Chris Scott, Simon Goodwin, John Longmire, Chris Fagan. Nathan Buckley will tell us next. Pen picks of our 18 coaches and what phase they find themselves in. What the mission for 2023 is. We'll see if there's any more in the making hay with Bucks next. Looking into the 18 coaches as we head into season 2023, making hay is the first category. Chris Scott, Simon Goodwin, John Longmire, Chris Fagan, Nathan Buckley. Who else is in that category for you? The making hay, well, I've got back, I'm back to mining for gold now. Mining for gold. So right. mining for gold is the next two on, in the line, and that's Richmond and, and Western Bulldogs. We've, we've spoken about Bevo quite a bit. Richmond fascinate me. And Damien Hardwick, been there, done that, driven to go again. I think he's a connection coach who he builds commitment to team by celebrating the individuals within it. And that's been a, been the Richmond way through their, you know, their success of the last six years. So, and that's been fascinating. They found a few midfielders, obviously Taranto and Hopper that have come in. They add bite around the ball and that what it, and he's even described this itself. It pushes some of their playmakers outside again, where they were drawn inside a little bit. It does ask a few – Prestia needs to stay fit. It asks a few questions of what they do with Storwood in, in Cochin and how he manages that this year is going to be fascinating because obviously those two have got such a strong connection. Um, but no one player is ever more important than the team. But that will, that will, be, that will play itself out. They've always relied on a, on a solid back six to underpin their attacking game style. And, and – it hasn't really been spoken about too much, but Richmond have always been a t their game plan has largely been around trying to create an outnumber in front of the ball. Martin and Lambert, you know, Martin would play start as a midfielder and then just float forward. So then all of a sudden you got seven forwards, and Lambert would actually just look like a high forward who was running up and back. So they pretty much played one midfielder down and with seven forwards for a lot of their their premiership runs, and. That's challenging. You know, that, that's, that sounds like you're cheating. It sounds like you're just sitting forward of the ball. I think they're going to try and do that even more. You know, their midfielders leak forward. They're like, they're back, they, they, they back their back six more than any other team. And they get longer in, in offense than any other team. 
which is why they were the they were the heaviest scoring side in in last year's home and away. So they're fascinating, and and they'll die in a ditch on that because they've had so much success on it. Yeah. So with with a few more sort of um, pieces to play with, I'm fascinated. But uh, Damon Hardwick's going to do what he's always done, and they were they're going to do it based on the same culture, the cultural piece, a very similar game plan, but probably just double down on it. 14th season for Damien Hardwick. So he's the competition's longest serving coach. He has those three premierships and he's got a contract that runs until the end of 2024. And Luke Beveridge has referenced at the top ninth season, won a flag in year two, made one other grand final, hasn't yet finished top four at the end of a home and away season, has that contract that runs to the end of 2025. Are they only two in mining yeah. for gold? Yeah, I go to breaking ground after that. Can they take the next step? All right. It's Western Bulldogs Membership Day. Nine-game membership for the price of three. Membership.westernbulldogs.com.au slash S-E-N. Marcus Bontempelli is going to join me out of 11 o'clock. Making hay, mining for gold. We're at breaking ground. Four coaches in this category this year for Nathan Buckley. Beginning with Michael Voss. Second season, won 11 games and finished ninth. He started with a three-year contract. Well, I need to declare here that whilst... We're talking about the coaches that lead the teams. They are so dependent on the different roles that um, the different responsibilities within that team unit for success. The list manager is crucial. The conditioning is crucial. Um, you know, the stability from above them is crucial. But we are focusing on the coaches themselves, and and they so often tend to be the focus point for either our our um, satisfaction or our dissatisfaction. Vossi and Carlton, I think he's 12 months in and it's been an, an amazing journey. He's done really well to pull this group together to have the season that they had in 22. He's done it by preaching, staying in the moment, by focusing on what they can control, by at, at the absence of all, all else, and it's worked for them really well. They're going to have to ramp that up and do that even better this year than they did last because of the expectations are now so much greater than they were at the same time 12 months ago. He has the talent. Um, what's needed is the grit and the connection when things aren't going their way. So the plan A, I've said this consistently, I believe their plan A is like win clearance, go forward, contested football in the air. And they've got, and when they were going really well, they had a raft of smalls un you know, Oh, um, Durden, we, we, like they had guys there that were and Fisher that were were putting a lot of pressure on, and 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 making um, and and playing their roles exceptionally well. But when they're not winning that footy, it's out of stoppage, and when they're not marking it in the front half as as much, the transition elements of the game have still they still need work, and I'm looking for evidence of that in the early stages of this year, so that they can be more efficient when their A game isn't dominant. And and that's what I think the best teams do anyway. They don't always win. They win with a with a philosophy, but they have layers to that. And and I and I still yet to see that with Carlton. And so Vossi and his his lieutenants, have they been able to build that throughout the offseason? Justin Longmuir, fourth season as Fremantle coach, has gone twelfth, eleventh, sixth, including winning a final, extended to the end of twenty twenty four. This is a really interesting one for me because Frio were exceptional the first half of last year when no one and – and because they were off Broadway over there, their, their defensive numbers in the first 11 rounds of the year were, were first class. The, not, you know, 
not allowing sides to def- to score off turnover. Almost at ele- like at 11%, which is, as a number, is about half of what the average of the competition was allowing. And that and those the numbers just jumped off the page as nearly all-time defensive numbers. But then in the second half, they went they, – they were nearly bottom four for defending territory and defending scores from turnover. So it, it flipped. I don't know why. I, I don't know – and I've got, I've got no real idea of what went amiss. So the, the challenge would have been how do we get the DNA of the first half of the year – without losing, you know, maybe it was a little bit more of an offensive focus. We need to work out to score here, but then they, they actually had to give to get, and they didn't really get that much and they gave up a yep. whole heap. So the, the challenge is, I mean, and he's, he's built a real, I think the Fremantle have built a pretty strong squad. They've let a few go this year, but they've got some, their, their young midfield looks exceptional. Jago O'Meara comes in to thicken the soup for them there. I think they're young, they're young defenders, young Chapman, um, you know, uh, what's his uh, the number thirteen? <laughs> There's a it, oh, I've I've um I've I've skipped a name, but he's their their defense is is really well led. You know, Braden Cox has had a breakout year for them um for them last year, and and I just I think that they're they're solid. It's just a matter of putting their best um, footy together and. And that's, that's going to be a coaching challenge for them from the get-go because there's some bloody good teams around that they've got to match. Luke Ryan. Was Luke the, Ryan's the, the one. Always for. always miss his name. <laughs> he, and he's a star of the comp, underrated. Craig McRae, second season, won, 11, uh, won 17 games, lost a prelim, came to the job on a three-year deal. Well, he's done exceptionally well, hasn't he? Exceptionally well. And, and, I, th- and I think the challenge, I mean, obviously with a more intimate understanding of, of this playing list and this club, um, I, I've just my I've been so impressed with what he's been able to do. New coaching group, Lepich um, and Bolton have come in, but really strong leadership in the playing group. The challenge is going to be, you know, it's eventually Pendles and eventually Howie will roll out. Um, still side bottom, um, and the the challenge will be how do they have players come up from underneath? And it looks like they're they're, they're handling that pretty well. Um, I think Craig, McC- I think um, uh, Graham Wright is is an exceptional um, off-field um, manager and decision maker, uh, especially from the list perspective. And what they've been able to do in the off-season, I think, has has made them better. Um, even though you, know, you lose Brody Grundy, but I think they've taken away. You know, they've got they've got Darcy Cameron, Mason Cox, and you can find some arguments for makeshift ruckman, maybe McStay at a pinch, Kruger if he gets himself right with his shoulder at a pinch. But I think they've been able to trade in those chips in that role and bring in, you know, more impactful players in other roles, potentially McStay, Hill, etc. So I, I think that this is, you know, can they take the next step? He's done exceptionally well to get to 16 wins, nine of them by, you know, less than 10 points. So they, they've, they've, um, they've definitely got the heart. It's can they take the next step? Matthew Nick's fourth season, he's got three wins, seven wins, eight wins, has a contract that runs to the end of 2024. I, I um, don't know a lot about the guy. Um, I think he presents relatively well in, in, um, in the press. I can only assume that his players absolutely believe in him and buy into him because the, the intensity that Adelaide play at for the most part 
of the last you know, 18 months. It's been building. But last year, like it started like a house on fire last year. And they, they had little blips, which you do with younger players or a younger, a younger team that doesn't have the experience or the connection um, or have been through, you know, four, five, six seasons of AFL footy. They were still able to. They were still able to come back and fight and raise the fight more and more and more. So I'm super impressed with what I'm seeing from the output on the effort and the endeavour of his team. And that isolate that straight back to the the culture, the environment, the drive that he and his coaching group are pushing through. And they're they're a relatively no name. Yeah, there are a lot of no names in their 22 as as such. But geez, they have a crack. I'm I'm really interested to see how they go. Breaking ground, Voss Longmuir McRae. <clears throat> Nicks will fill in. Well, you've given us auditing and auditioning and clean slate. There's a bit of sink or swim to come mm. as well. This is Waitley for Host Plus and Hyundai Tucson. Tomorrow's SUV in stock now. A pen pick of our 18 coaches heading into the season. So Nathan Buckley's here. Audit, auditing and auditioning, which is a great category. That's Brad Scott and Ross Lyon. Mm. The absolute clean slate is Adam Kingsley, who comes in as a rookie, which leaves us sink or swim and rebuild. So give us sink or swim first. And Ken Hinckley's in the final year of his contract at Port Adelaide. It's his 11th season. They've seen preliminary finals in 14, 20 and 21. And last year's eleventh placed finish was the lowest in his tenure. Yeah, I, I, and I, and with these two individuals, the senior coaches that are at the head of these programs, I think it's around the program itself as much as it is the senior coach. But if Port Adelaide, if Port Adelaide can't frank their recruiting, their plans to get to this point, I think they underperformed last year with a with a terrible start, a big hole that they've really struggled to get out of and, and ultimately couldn't. But but Ken Hinckley has his detractors. If you'd, you'd have to have your head in the sand to not see and hear that, especially over in South Australia. But I've always looked at him and thought that he's an amazing man manager. I feel like he gets he's, he puts his, his heart and soul into it and I think he's, the connection with his playing group is pretty strong. The question I have is have they – have they moved with the game? Because Port Adelaide still are a side that flood their forward line, turn the ball over really close to their goal, repeat forward entries. And that seems to be, you know, and teams, opposition teams put 18 players in the back 50 at that point. And it's a really hard way to score. The, the best scoring teams at the moment, they don't rely on multiple re-entries and, and um, you know, 60 and 70 inside 50s for a game, they actually rely on allowing the ball to come out a little bit further, turning the ball over their defensive mid, so 100 metres from goal rather than 60, and then using that extra 40 metres to find the gaps and to move the ball quickly, going into a more open forward 50. So have Port Adelaide got the capacity to do that? They've got some really good users off the back off, off the half-back line, but I think that their their style is still a little bit old school. So can they shift that on the on the run? Can they score better from D50 or, or from the defensive mid turnovers rather than just bludgeoning the ball back in, yep. like turn, like defending so high and turning the ball over and just getting it? Like we get, they win territory and they win inside 50s, but it's not winning them a game of footy. And they've got enough talent to, to open the game up a little bit, but it's going to take a little bit of a shift. So that's the challenge for Port and that's the challenge for Ken Hinckley. Stuart Jew's sixth season, four wins, three wins, five, seven, and ten. 
for a highest placed finish of 12th, and that got him the new contract to the end of 2024. Yeah, I, I, Gold Coast is yeah like like uh, GWS. It's a it's a hard market. I think when players leave Melbourne or they leave Adelaide or the the heartlands of, of football, they go there. I think they're shocked by yeah this little island of of football paradise where our where our club rooms are is great, but then. Outside of that, no one really knows about the caper and knows about the game. So it's been a challenge to hold on to to, to talent for those two clubs. And um, but I, but this has got to be the time. There was a, definitely a step forward for Gold Coast uh, last year. They broke through because generally they'll start somewhat okay, but then they yep. fall right away. We spoke about it last year, and that 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 was buffered to some extent last year. It's. There's, there's no more or less talent there than there has been in the last couple of years. Are they more experienced? Are they more, have they got more grit? Have they got more wherewithal to be able to handle the inevitable ups and downs or the loss that comes when they don't expect it? I, I don't have those answers. And this is why it's sink or swim. And I, I think Stuart Jew has been there long enough. This program has been there long enough. The time to, you know, to really make that step jump is now. We've seen other clubs that have been even behind them and gone past them. It's um, it, it, this is this is where the the brutality of the industry stacks up because those two, co- in my mind, these two coaches and these two football programs have the capacity to make finals, and they either do or they don't. Yep. And then the rebuild categories are they're self evident. Sam Mitchell in the Hawthorne Declaration and Alastair Clark. Ironic, isn't picks it? Picks up the job. It is that they're both there because together. I I actually think Sam. Well, like Alistair Clarkson, fresh canvas, low expectations. He only had five wins in his first year at Hawthorne. So he's he's going to stay the course. But there's – and I think it may be the salary cap at North is probably really well placed. There's probably gaps for him to make moves. But he's got young players who are going to have a crack. And Sam Mitchell, I mean, they're, they're as young and inexperienced a side as we've seen. Nathan Buckley sets us up with our, the pen pick of our 18 coaches and the mission at hand. Uh, have a good week, Bucks. You too, mate.